First news with Keeler in the morning on WIBX and WIBX950.com. Chief Physician Executive at MVHS, Dr. Ken Hall. Good morning. Good morning. How are you doing this morning? We're doing good. So did you know the answer to the free money question? I hope you uh, will have said yes. I actually did. <laughs> I was going to say, if it's a medical question and Andrew knows it, I think we all assume, <laughs> Dr. Hall, that you knew what the answer was. Um, it's kind of amazing here. What do you remember? Anything that's that struck you as odd or interesting about development of the polio vaccine? I mean, it was 67 years ago, and I know that was before your time. But based on what we know about vaccines today and looking back at polio, anything stick out? So um, a couple things. So first of all, there were actually two polio vaccines. Uh, There was one that was an injectable vaccine, and then there was another one that it was the oral one that for those of us of a certain age remember it being on a on a sugar cube that we that we uh, took, um, uh, so it was it was interesting that they did two and they found that actually the the oral one uh, at least in its form at least relative to the first formulation of the injectable was was better but then they um, obviously reconfigured the injectable really to make it much uh, fall in line with what the what the oral one was. So, so that's the first thing. Um, and the second thing is, is what, what you mentioned, which is that it was really uh, the first time, or certainly on a large scale, the first time that the uh, double-blind, what we call the double-blind placebo-controlled trials or the uh, uh, randomized trials uh, were, were used on, on a, on a, a lar- large-scale basis and, and are now really the the way that that we the the way that we do significant um, evaluations really for anything from a, a scientific uh, medical standpoint. Let me ask you this about the it's as you mentioned the now standard double blind method, which is when the patient and the doctor neither knows if the patient is receiving a placebo or the actual vaccine. I guess my question is on the double blind element. Why does it matter? whether the doctor knows if it's the placebo or the real vaccine? So the reason is because the doctor has, a, uh, has an interest in, in um, prob- well, I shouldn't, in general, because we're human beings, the doctor is going to have an interest in it being a positive um, evaluation. And so will, in nonverbal but otherwise subtle ways, uh, will be... Um, uh, bias toward uh, looking at things that may that may uh, that may be either positive or negative, mostly negative, uh, you know, toward the toward it, and and tend to discount them. Oh, you know, that's something that we don't have to worry about because it was, you know, it was a one-off or it was, you know, um, you know, it was something related to something else that the patient did. Whereas when you don't know what it is, all you're doing is your is you're collecting all of the data. And then that goes into a data repository, and then the, once the code is broken, once you've gotten enough and the code is broken, then you, um, you, know, the, then you can look and say, okay, so how does this weigh? How, does the, how do the positives and the negatives weigh for those that got whatever the medication or uh, intervention is versus the, uh, versus the uh, placebo? So it's, it's, it's really, you know, very uh, – it, it, it really functions or focuses on the fact that you know everybody is a human being in the in the uh, subject or in the um, um, 
experiment, whether it's the uh, individual who's getting uh, either either the uh, the intervention or, or or the placebo, but also the also the uh, physicians are. Sure. Questions for Dr. Hall, 315-736-0186. We've got Harry in New Hartford on the line with one. Good morning, Harry. Uh, yes, uh, Dr. Hall, I'd, I'd like to uh, inquire about the needles used back when I used to get the uh, polio uh, vaccine, probably in the early 50s, mid-50s. It seemed like they used the needles more than once in Boy, I'll tell you, we did not look forward to getting the polio booster, and I remember that horribly. I'm, my brother was eight years older than I. He's, he has passed, but he did get polio. I was born in 51, and uh, fortunately, uh, the self vaccine uh, may have prevented me getting it. All right, but well, anyway, were those needles used? Uh, how often were they used? And they weren't. didn't seem to be as sharp. As the as the ones for the for the COVID vaccine. All right, Harry. Good question. We'll let, we'll uh, let you uh, listen to that question off the air, or on the air. Okay. Thank you, Harry. Yeah. So I I am not aware that they reused uh, the the needles for the uh, vaccination. Although I will tell you that in the you know in the in the past you know certainly needles were reused. They were sterilized uh, between uh, uses. Um, the issue is that, um, as you, you, you don't necessarily realize this, but every time that you use a needle and it goes through anything, whether it's, the, whether it's your skin or whether it's the stopper of the, of the uh, vial that the uh, medication that comes in, it does slightly dull the needle. Uh, and so over time, I, I could see where that would be um, a little more uh, uncomfortable to, to um, stuck with that. But I'm not... I don't know anything particular about, you know, the reuse of, of, of needles for the uh, polio vaccine. So uh, another big story in uh, regard to the vaccine, Johnson & Johnson now getting the green light again. I know uh, Onondaga County officials say they will resume uh, distribution of the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. What more did you learn uh, about what they discovered and their reuse plan going forward? Yeah, so, you know, the uh, ACIP, which is the uh, subcommittee that really looks at uh, vaccine uh, safety, um, and it, uh, you know, really, really did a very deep dive. As you can tell, it took them, you know, 10 days or so to really look at all of the data. And what they found was that this is, that these instances uh, may, may, may be, and I, and I really, uh, very much uh, um, emphasize the maybe uh, associated with the uh, vaccine, but but in but if they are, it is an exceedingly rare event, uh, and so and they also came out with uh, guidance, not the ACIP, but the uh, CDC uh, and the FDA came out with some guidance in terms of how how to manage it, and uh, put out a significant amount of information about what the um, you know, what to them look for. So they, you know, again, what we know is that, you know, there were about six, give or take, probably, probably a couple more, but certainly not a huge number uh, over the course of really, you know, hundreds of thousands to millions of uh, doses given. So it's a, it is a safe and relative to getting COVID, which also uh, causes uh, blood clotting, 
Um, it is much safer to get the vaccine than it is to uh, get COVID, even for that particular subset of uh, problems. Uh, Doc, I saw something, and it looks like the New York Times had an article on this over the weekend. Um, it's something we've talked a little, a little bit about this, that we have um, uh, almost an excess of vaccine, and the reason being because it seems like fewer people are interested in getting it. The story from the Times this weekend was millions of Americans are skipping their second dose. Uh, what do you make of this, and, and uh, what's your concern with it? Yeah, so I actually saw that, too, and and thought about why that might be, and I think I can come up with uh, a couple reasons. Uh, number one is that, you know, th- there is a lot of conversation about the fact that the, um, that the side effects are worse with the second dose than they are with the first, and if you had some mild ones that, or even some moderate ones that were pretty uncomfortable for you, then, you know, human nature is that you're going to say, well, I don't think I want to do that again. Um, so so that's, that's, that's one aspect of it. The other aspect that I would say is that especially what, you know, because of what happened with Johnson & Johnson and the fact that, you know, that's just a single-dose vaccine, whereas Moderna and Pfizer are the dose, and there is no indication that Moderna or Pfizer have these issues, but it's not uncommon for people to say, well, then the vaccines in general are problematic, and so I'm not sure that I want to go back and get, and get my uh, second one. So am I concerned about that? Yes, because we know that, you know, based on studies that have been done looking at the effectiveness of one dose versus two dose for the Moderna and the Pfizer is that the, the, the two-dose regimen was chosen because it actually, you know, results in that 95% effectiveness. And the one dose, you know, the, the effectiveness is less. It is not zero, but it is less. And so, you know, really to get where we want to get to, we want people to be fully vaccinated. I, I want to just say something about this, and I'm, this is not a scare tactic. I'm, I'm not going to pressure anybody to get the vaccine. I understand everybody's got their own decision to make about this. I'm just going to say why I encourage people to do this. I was out sick a day last week when I got my second shot. I didn't feel great. It lasted less than, it was about 24 hours, okay? And I didn't feel great. And I will tell you that uh, the entire day, Tuesday, leading up to the shot, I was nervous about it. I was nervous because I'm like, I'm going to get the, I'm I'm going to have a side effect and I'm going to feel sick. And nobody wants to feel sick and nobody wants to feel like garbage. I get it. I'm just telling you, as a guy who went through the two shots and the second the second dose gave me a reaction. We're going to go over here. I know. It's okay. Uh, the second dose gave me a reaction, and I didn't feel good for 24 hours. In hindsight, I, I would trade a week of how I felt if I could have the last year back. And I understand everybody's got their own personal decision to make, but I'm just saying the fewer and fewer people that get this make it more likely, and it's going to take longer to get over this, this COVID-19 virus. With given that choice... You deal with what we, we dealt with for the last year and how much, let's be honest, how much this sucked yeah. for a year. Would you trade that for 24 to 48 hours of not feeling great? That's a personal decision you have to make, but but damn, I'd be surprised if you wouldn't trade yeah. that. Uh, I agree with that. Wayne in Utica, you have a question for Dr. Hall. All right. I have a brother-in-law and a sister-in-law that refused to get the vaccine, and then just recently, is like a week and a half ago, both of them got sick. The brother-in-law is getting better. The sister is not getting better, and she refuses to go to the emergency room. Is that – can they help her? 
Does she would hit, they be able to help her? Wait, you said they 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 contracted COVID. Yeah, well, the sis, the brother in law is coming off of it. The sis, the sister in law, she's got it, and she doesn't feel good, and she refuses to go to the emergency room, but says she feels like garbage and is not getting any better. Can the emergency room or anybody do anything for her? Would they be able to help her? In other words, or is it just going to go away on its own? All right, Wayne. Uh, listen off the air. Thanks, man. Yep. Yeah. So that, that's a good question, Wayne. And, and certainly everybody is is uh, different. I would I would strongly encourage her to to at least reach out to her primary care um, uh, provider. Uh, are there interventions that can be done either in the emergency department or elsewhere? Absolutely. There's monoclonal antibodies, which can actually significantly uh, shorten the duration of. Uh, of the disease that is not that does not require people to be hospitalized, but more importantly, is you know you you need to be aware of some of the uh, sometimes subtle initially, but but problems that can occur when when you get uh, COVID, i.e. the blood clots that we were just talking about, and you know we need to be aware we, we need to make sure that people are looking for those kinds of uh, things. So I would strongly encourage her to reach out at least to her primary care provider. Yeah. Dr. Hall, thank you so much, as always. We really appreciate it. Uh, before we let you go, your numbers from Friday? Yeah, so we had 25 COVID-positive patients here, here in the system. So, you know, down just a tick from where we were in the middle of the week. Uh, looking around the, the state, it looks like things might be going in the, in the right direction, really, across all, all regions. So that's a good thing. All right. Dr. Kent Hall, thank you so much.